and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson and I run Stack, the subscription club that delivers a different independent magazine to your door every month. This week's episode was recorded live at the Shifting Landscapes exhibition here in London on Saturday the 2nd of December and it features me speaking with Emmanuel Vaughan Lee, executive editor of Emergence magazine and Bram Broser and Moritz Wouters who are the founders of Studio Airports and also the designers of Emergence. Emmanuel has been on this podcast before. Uh, I spoke to him in November 2019 about his work making emergence as this meeting place of climate and environment and sort of spirituality and humanity. But this conversation goes broader than that because as well as the print magazine, he also uses emergence to make podcasts and films and he runs retreats and curates immersive exhibitions so this all seemed like the perfect opportunity to look beyond the print medium and take stock of everything they do. You'll hear there are some questions from the audience at the end and we didn't have a microphone roving around so those bits are quiet but there were some really good questions and the answers are interesting so I've left that part in and just edited it down a bit. It was great to be part of the whole Shifting Landscapes event, so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation about emergence. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, So I'm very excited to be here uh, today to talk about Emergence magazine with three of the people who make it. Uh, so down the end of the line we have Emmanuel Vaughan Lee, who is the founder and executive editor of Emergence. Uh, and we have Brand Bus and Moritz Wouters, who together are studio airports, uh, and they are the graphic designers uh, of the magazine, but as we're going to hear, they also do a bunch of other stuff, which I think is kind of relevant for uh, where we are today. But I think it would be useful, just in case anyone did only just kind of like wandering off the street today, uh, not entirely sure of where they are or what Emergence magazine is. Emmanuel, maybe you could just start us out by kind of giving us a brief overview. What is this thing, Emergence magazine? Emergence magazine is a place of gathering stories together. That's probably the simplest way I can think of describing it. The medium of how we gather stories is really diverse. And we have an online platform where we publish stories weekly. We have a podcast we publish stories weekly. We have an annual print edition. It is a compilation of print and photography and artwork and illustration and poetry. We do events, um, we run retreats, and we also put on immersive exhibitions like this one. Um, this is our largest endeavor of trying to create an immersive exhibition space to date. But um, all these offerings are a gathering of stories, whether it's an online platform, it's uh, the timeless experience of traditional print. It's the you know, audio experience of a podcast. It could be a film. We also make films. Um, and spaces like this or gatherings of people. I'm a real believer that um, it's you know, important that we think of stories as something alive and vibrant that are um, you know, connected by people more than anything else. Uh, a story exists in a relationship from the creator, the writer, the filmmaker, the artist and the person who's reading or perceiving or engaging with the work and that creates a space and so we're trying to create those spaces and also explore boundaries of how we can do that and kind of transcend the traditional mediums. Mm. And so when did all of this start? When did you start the magazine? 
we we launched in uh, on Earth Day 2018, but we schemed earlier. Um, and I first connected with with Brahman Moore. It's a, a couple of years before that. We worked on a on a project called Beyond Prison, which is about reimagining um, prisons in America, which um, are in a dire state to say the least. And I came across their work and was very touched by how they created spaces through the use of graphic design on the web. Mm. And I thought there was something that you know resonated deeply that we you know potentially partner yeah, yeah. Uh, and and explore how to create a magazine together. Um, and uh, we, we launched in 2018, first online, and our first print edition, I guess, was about a year later that we first, we first yeah. released our print edition, yeah. So, so you're based in Northern California. You guys are in Belgium, I think? Utrecht. In Utrecht? Yes, we're based in Utrecht. Okay, in so, so, so tell us, so, the, so how do you end up then working from Utrecht with somebody in Northern California produce a magazine that then sort of like finds its way out across the world? Well, we work around the clock because on the moment when we stop, their morning starts. <laughs> um, um, we are, from the start, we had uh, both belief in that we could make this work um, and we are collaborating over uh, Zoom presentations and that's been working since the start. We also meet each other in person um, at least once a year. Uh, we visit uh, California and they come to Holland, especially also with the print edit uh, volumes that we create. It's really important to <clears throat> be together in a space to have the last curation uh, before we send it to print. Before that, there's obviously a lot of um, uh, process going on. And um, yeah, since the beginning, we find our common language. Um, in feedback and reflection in what we do. So this is something that we feel uh, is uh, uh, if the evolution continues. Yeah. This, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so the so this issue of the magazine uh, is themed shifting landscapes. And that I understand grew out of the theme of the last issue, which was about living with uncertainty. Maybe you can just kind of connect those dots for us. How how does one lead to the other? Well, the last issue, Living with the Unknown, um, was really kind of almost a response of the global pandemic and the space that we were all taken into. And while that theme of Living with the Unknown is something I think we've been experiencing for a long time, I think the, you know, the realities of you know, not really knowing what the future is going to be like when there's so many tumultuous changes, both you know, ecologically and societally, politically. But we, we experienced that pretty directly and could actually relate to it on a personal level in the pandemic. And we took it as an opportunity to create a whole issue and a year's worth of publishing um, around to, to really tell stories about that experience. And um, shifting landscapes really grew from that, the recognition that the space that's opened up as a result of kind of the recognition of one way of life coming to an end um, really makes us look around us and think, what else is shifting? And try to acknowledge that and understand that both on an external level, you know, looking at tremendous mythical environmental changes, but also perhaps some of the more subtle inner shifts that are impacting us um, deeply, you know, one could say on a spiritual level. So it, it was very much an extension of that work. And um, I think, you know, the collaboration between Emergence and Studio Airport, because it really is that, it's a collaboration we view ourselves as creative partners and have since we first started working together. Um, 
the, the groundwork of the vocabulary, you know, visually, because um, the, the graphic design, you can speak to this too, guys, is really an extension of the storytelling. To me, they're one and the same. Um, that, that language was established in Living with the Unknown, and so the, even the work of how we translate, you know, the, the print edition out of that, or this exhibition, kind of grew out of an evolution. So there, there is this ongoing evolution, I think you could say, from a story point of view, from a design point of view, from a from an artistic point of view that we're all participating in together. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you've already talked about this as being the most ambitious uh, issue so far because you know we're here in London with an exhibition that's grown out of the magazine. How did all this come together? Like, when, like was it always the plan that for this issue there was going to be an exhibition, or is there a bit more of a kind of opportunistic thing that's like just this came up and we grabbed it? Uh, you know, we've been we've done an exhibition before the pandemic um, in Melbourne, and it was an experiment for us to create. It was also an immersive space, a little smaller. Um, there were four installations instead of nine, uh, um, but we were really taken by the experience of creating a space in that way. Um, and uh, we had plans. We had plans to come to Holland. Actually, we were going to bring that exhibition to Holland, and then the pandemic. Hit. And of course, the, the main focus of that exhibition was actually a, a shared breath experience of smelling trees. So it wasn't going to work <laughs> with COVID. It really wasn't going to buy it. Well, not the only reason, but it, it definitely would have not been something people wanted to participate in. Um, but we started to have discussions about that but, you know, several years ago about how can we evolve and again push this boundary of what a magazine is. Uh, and a little over a year ago, we talked about putting on um, an exhibition here in London that was purely focused on this theme. Um, it would allow us to, I guess, creatively explore how do we bring emergence into a physical space like this? Because there's a lot of challenges, and those are also opportunities. And you know, we're always looking for those those spaces to kind of push the envelope a little bit. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'll pass the you know the problem and see what you can add here. What I can add here? Well, I think. When Emmanuel came with this ID uh, almost a year ago, I think it was when you visited Utrecht last year, it didn't need much convincing. Uh, I mean, it's a wonderful challenge. I think what really helped is this place. We visited here in June, and the place, you know, it has something special that each room uh, is like a spread of the magazine. And that makes also this exhibition a different one, right? It's not your typical art exhibition. They emerge from stories. So, whether it's a film, uh, a printed essay or a documentary, we try to bring it into the physical space and make it um, something that resonates with you, that invites you to slow down. And what I personally uh, appreciate about Emerge Magazine and the collaboration is that these stories, they, of course, they tend to really problematic subjects, but it's not only about the problems, it's also about giving windows of hope um, and give an insight on a personal level what you can do to reconnect with nature. Mm. So I, I guess anytime you're designing a print magazine, you're kind of guiding the reader through the space. And that's what I imagine you're doing also with an exhibition. Is there, what are the kind of, what are the main similarities and differences for when you want to tell a story in print or you want to tell a story in a, a space like this? Good question, yeah. I think uh, what we've been, been doing from the start is that we are trying to translate 
a story into a visual aesthetic, what that might be. From the beginning, we were not um, really sure where our aesthetic would go to. Um, and I think over the years we created, and this has been evolved to what it is now. Um, looking at a spread, it's about curating and hierarchy, what you want the reader to see first, second, third, etc. It's the same in the space. Um, and you know, um, we, we try to see how people come in and experience the installation and what is most important. So in that sense, there are similarities, but it is a lot of feeling and intuition, also because this is the first time that we really do this. So, And I guess, that, so just practically, mm -hmm. you have designed the magazine already so that that kind of like exists, that's in the world. So then you come here and it, I guess in a way kind of then this exhibition is kind of shaped by the magazine because that's a thing that exists already. But then I was looking at the magazine, I was thinking, I wonder if you've also gone slightly the other way. It, it seems to me that within the magazine you're trying to create specific spaces. So you do this funny thing that I've noticed of like, you'll have a couple of stories that are set in the same color. So you've got this like really beautiful red type or really lovely blue type that is then used <coughs> on a set of illustrations. What's happening there? What's, like, what, what's the kind of idea behind grouping those together? Yeah, so from the beginning actually, the first volume is really separate stories. I mean, they're not separate, but we designed them separately. So you dive into a new world each time, which is strong to us. But more over the years, we also see the, the book, the magazine, as a physical object that is, should feel uh, unified, like one unity. And um, by the use of different ingredients over the stories, if we connect them uh, with each other, the step into a new story feels like a new story, like a new step, but the step is not that large mm -hmm. or not too overwhelming. And I think we always try to, it's not whispering, but there's a nuance in what we do. We try to use more white space uh, when we feel uh, a busy story. The previous story is very busy, so you need some rest afterwards. And I think this transition into one story into another is that we use certain colors into another story, etc. The same with typefaces. That's once we introduce a large new typeface, it's often before we introduce it already on a small scale. Mm -hmm. So the step is not that large. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're kind of leading the reader through the whole thing. Because I mean, it's worth saying, there's, I mean, there's a lot to read in Emergence. There is. And, and, and I mean, I, I <clears throat> love that. I mean, I, I don't know how many hours I spend with a, a, a single issue. But that also is something that people can find Overwhelming. Challenging, overwhelming, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're you're trying to kind of like take a little bit of that away. Yeah, I think it's also a job for us to do like, how can we create something that is full with uh, reading text but doesn't feel that overwhelming? Mm -hmm. And we, we are able to add 20 pages because we use more white space for it. But if when the overall feeling is more relaxed and, and, and spacious and nuanced, that's what we try to achieve. So I was thinking about these kind of relations between uh, 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 making a magazine, making an exhibition like this. And I wonder if, well, let's, let's see what you think. So one of the things I think about these kind of independent magazines is they're really bad at reaching a lot of people. 
So if you, if you want to reach like, sort of a, a really large amount of people, probably don't make a print magazine that's quite expensive to buy and then have. But if you want to reach someone very deeply and kind of create this immersive experience, actually a print magazine is a fantastic way of going about that. And it sort of feels like maybe an exhibition is a more extreme version of that. Like it's kind of, an exhibition feels like it's even worse than a print magazine engaging a lot of people, but you can literally immerse people in it. The, you know, people will walk around this space. Is that complete nonsense? <laughs> You're kind of nodding along. I don't think it's complete nonsense. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that we've been very conscious of from the very beginning with Emergence is that quantity over quality is something that, that I think can compromise um, the work. You know, if you're focused on reaching 10 million people, then you're going to have to make a lot of decisions to do that. If you're focused, really not even about how many people you're going to reach, but trying to create something that you love and that you love creating and that is filled with love, <laughs> you know, and, and, and is about something that, that needs a certain nuance and focus and attention and length, space, time. I mean, it takes us a year and a half to make a print edition. And, you know, we only print 10,000. It took a year to make this exhibition. It takes sometimes years to make a film. That's where we put our attention in the creation of the process. And, and yes, we find partners to distribute the work and do all of that stuff. But it's never about how do you maximize the reach. Mm. It's how do you just create something that is ideally a powerful experience that you can invite people into. I, I really think that, um, you know, when we think about how many people we need to try and reach, it's the wrong approach. Mm. And it's just like, how can you create a meaningful experience which touches someone, you know, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, that stays with you. And if you talk about trying to create change, which isn't something we really necessarily focus on, but it's more about how can we create a space that is lasting, mm -hmm. um, that is about our relationship to the living world in a really rich, meaningful, nuanced, complicated way. And then that's translated to all the things we do. The print edition is an object that is something we want to last. All the stories within it, they might be topical right now, but they're evergreen. They're not tied to a news story. They might capture a moment in time, but the hope is that in 10 years, you pick up that journal and you find something really valuable there. In 50 years, and you feel the love of the creatives and the artists that went into it. And so that's really the ethos we have. And um, yeah, this, this is an extreme version when you have X number of people who are only going to be able to come here who are based in London or who can travel. But, you know, it, there's tremendous meaning to me in, in, a, in an exchange of a person coming into a space and being invited in that space. And whatever they take from that, who knows what the ripple effect is going to be? Who knows what the change is going to be? Mm -hmm. Who knows what the impact is going to be? And also on the, on the receiving end, we gain a tremendous amount from the exchange of actual people coming into spaces. There's a real problem with the, you know, the online world of distribution because you don't know the people that you're connecting to. Mm -hmm. And you know, same thing with print, it, you know, but when you're in a space with people and you see the faces and you talk to them and you learn someone's name and they share where they're from and why they come and the questions they have, there's an exchange that influences us in a tremendously powerful way. So we'll come away from this experience, no doubt, with a whole other set of 
influences from all the voices that have been in this space. This, I think this is a good point to, uh, to remind everybody. So I'm, I'm going to ask for questions uh, in a minute. So please have a think about what you'd like to know and also uh, you know, what you can contribute back to this. Um, so we, we've talked a lot about um, print and about the exhibition space. We haven't spoken much about film and uh, you, know, you just mentioned it just then. That's something that all of you, like as I gather it, before the magazine project even started, you also had films. So <coughs> is that something that you feel in the magazine or do you see that as being separate from what you do with it? Um, they're, they're both separate and connected. A film is its own story and it can be distributed and shared in all sorts of ways and the magazine could be one form of that. So to me they're very much, you know, part and separate and there's a lot of opportunity there. But I'll, I'll let Brahm speak to that because, and Moritz, because they're also filmmakers. Thank you, Ramon. Um Yeah, to get into that collaboration first, right, for us as creatives it's something very, very special that we get that freedom that there's, that there, it is not focused on targets or the reach of audience, right? And over the years, since 2017, that we have been collaborating with Emmanuel, we grew, but also our studio shaped by the collaboration with Emergence Magazine. There's a significant part of what we do. Uh, Maurits has his love for editorial design that he could fully flourish in, in the printed edition. I myself got the chance to uh, make films, direct films, and together we merge these talents together into new kind of stories. And that's actually what, with the Emerging Magazine, what we're always looking for is, how can we still tell a story in a new way? Um, and the latest uh, chance we got from Emmanuel was last year to visit uh, Slovenia, to create this uh, five episode mini-series of the uh, habitats of pollinators and how on really small scale, on personal level, people are trying to um, have a practice that um, creates better habitats, that saves the environment for these pollinators on micro level. So how, how do we create that into an online experience? We, we went there, we shot, we had enough footage for a whole film, but we in the end decided to create more of a, a merge between a podcast experience and a visual narrative that went together, but that as a user you are in control to be a bit more free on where you look at the visuals while you listen at the people telling their stories. Um, that all is of course designed in a framework with typography, with uh, user experience, user experience elements that we learned over the years to uh, fine tune and implement. But. I think the most beautiful thing is then downstairs, and I'm not sure if some of you already saw it, but there's now an installation with these screens and there. I feel like Emmanuel said, it's so uh, a special experience to see people standing there and you know, taking the time to take in these stories that are slow, you know, they're, they're not, they're easy to digest, I think, uh, but they take some time. Uh, and, but once you do it, you really get into the world of that person. I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing that an installation like this offers because in the end on the web attention bows are shorter you know and we know people maybe spend sometimes five minutes maybe a bit longer but that's not really the case because in the end you know now people get the chance to get that full experience mm -hmm. yeah. there's also i mean so just like flipping through the magazine i, I noticed so this is the most photographic uh issue so far and it feels it feels like 
emergence almost has this kind of cinematic quality to it. Like the, it's, it's grand. Like the, you know, it's kind of like it's, it's telling big stories, and you see large landscapes. That it kind of always feels like sort of a filmmaker's kind of perspective has gone into the actual graphic design of the print magazine. Yeah, it's interesting that you you recognize that. I mean, my background's a filmmaker, and so I think that cinematic quality was something that we talked about early on. You know, um, yes, there's you know ten thousand word essays, and there's a lot of type and a lot of print, um, but we wanted the the space that the print edition offered to be grand not just in the scope of the stories and the length of the stories and the issues, but when you open it, you feel the enormity of some of these issues or the enormity of this planet. Mm -hmm. And how can we translate what cinema can do really well, which can really tell these you know, grand stories using the power of the lens mm -hmm. to translate that through photography, but also how you frame photography or how you design uh, spreads or how you create that space for people so it was it was something we talked about and and you know i think because maybe i'm just a filmmaker my natural natural response to things that that came up through the creative process was always looking for that cinematic quality mm -hmm. we're, we're, you know maybe you guys can speak a little bit about that yeah so looking at the print magazine as an object you you work with material and you you work with paper and this is also an important part of um curating the, the exact right paper and we grew over the years because the first magazine has like 11 types of paper <laughs> and uh, we felt that was the right uh, pick. Mm, each story almost had its own identity like I said before. But also looking more we are, uh, our references lay mostly in antique books, the most simple books there with the high production and the limitations of those print works and what what can it tell us in our work and that simplicity that was used in those books is something that we kind of look at very closely and um, in combination with the material for example we design a spread and we uh, design on the see-through of the next page so the the see-through uh, transparency that the quality of a paper has a see-through and um, we already apply that see-through of the next page on the particular spread and we kind of design it on this just you will not notice it but you will feel that the, the transition to the next page is more fluent it's soft because you already had a kind of a vibe of it and to design on this level those are kind of methods that we created that guide us in what we do um, we we don't need so much um, in the beginning we wanted to do some moves that were mostly cool or felt good on that moment but they did, didn't last so I've, i think the translation from film talking about film to print is also was a challenge for us um, for example earthrise a film from emmanuel that need to be translated into print how do you look at that um, we don't want to just use full bleed photos after each other, but we can see a spread as a scene from the film. And what's the hierarchy? What do you want to, if you place photos on the same position after each other, it tells, tells a different story than when you place them 
more randomly over the page and what happens when the transparency then has also influence in, on it and um, it's a lot of intuition work so we don't have like rules or anything and I think this is a really beautiful thing that we all share is this language then when we present it uh, among each other um, when it touches us I think that's the right feedback to continue with uh, what we are doing. Yeah, yeah. No, and you can feel that when you're reading the magazine. I think it, it feels like a kind of a natural flow through the stories. You've also um, had all of the authors record uh, their pieces so that you can listen to the audio as well. So we're introducing another form of storytelling now. So what's the thinking behind that? I, I think that may have been your idea at first. Before we launched the magazine, we were spending some time together, kind of just brainstorming both the online and the future print and just the, the whole approach we wanted to take. And, and one thing was we wanted to make it accessible to people who aren't going to be reading this journal. You know, um, can't get it, visually impaired. Um, and so that was a, that was an important point that, that came up that we were like let's build that into the design of the magazine, but also you know six years ago actually was when it was we were first talking about this uh, six years ago, podcasts were not as popular as they are now, but they were beginning to be, and we were just talking about well how are people consuming stories, and you know and people listen on their way to work, and when they're driving when they're in the tube when they're relaxing at the end of the day and. And maybe for some people, spending an hour reading 10,000 word essay might be too much, but to listen to it while they go for a walk would be something they could do. But also in the context of the subject of our stories, often about relationship to nature, it added another opportunity. Well, what if we encourage people to be listening while they're walking in the park or sitting on a bench? And so we started talking about that and we said, well, maybe we should just offer every story as a, as a narrated experience. Um, and it wasn't even as a podcast, it was just going to be on the website that you could have the author read their story. And we don't have voiceover artists, we always ask the authors. And they're usually amazing, honestly, at reading their own work. And, and it was a little later that we actually launched the podcast that came out maybe a year or two years after we launched the magazine. Um, yeah, and it's become, it's, honestly, we have more listeners than we have readers now. Really? Yeah, more people listen to the podcast. And we get incredible stories people write in where they lie uh, uh, you know, at night looking up at the stars, listening to an author talk about you know, whatever story it is. They, they go on these journeys into nature and listen. They, or you know, all these wonderful stories where what we talked about initially, people have started to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I think that it's such a, a growing medium. People really love to listen. And they love to listen to authors, yeah. the, the, the voice of the author. And, and so it was fun. It became it became something interesting, also to integrate into the design. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, so I mean, <clears throat> just in you describing that, you you sound like there's kind of like an element of surprise that the, you know there are now more listeners than there are readers. Is there is there a hierarchy to all of this? So we've got the print magazine, we've got the an event like this. There's film. There's the podcast. There's all of these different media. Mm. Is there like an anchor to all of it, or are they kind of moving independently of each other? I view them as spokes on a wheel, mm. um, and they all come together. And so I don't think there's a hierarchy of importance. Uh, the print is its own thing, 
Online is its own thing. Exhibition is its own thing. Pollinators, the experience of Brahman Ward's Creek is its own thing. A film, each is its own spoke on the wheel. Maybe somebody just watches or listens to just that. And it's amazing people don't engage with the magazine. We meet people all the time who just listen to the podcast. We never pin up a condition, never go to the website, and vice versa. So to me, they're all entry points into these spaces of relationship we're trying to offer. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so all of this takes a huge amount of time and care and love. What stage are you at with the next issue, the next exhibition, the next cycle of all of this? The next exhibition, let's just get through this exhibition. <laughs> but I'll, speak, I'll, let, I'll let Moritz speak to the, to the next rendition because he's actually hard at work on trying to, to wrap it up. Can you talk, say what it's about? Yeah, you can say. So the next print edition, volume five, is going to be about time. And um, this is a difficult topic, subject, because time is something obviously you cannot grasp. And it can also become cliche very quickly because it involves clocks and everyone is busy with time all the day, calendars, busy, busy world. But how can we connect to time in um, a visual way that has not been there yet. Um, so it's kind of trying to pioneer into this world of time that is super abstract. Um, but of course you need anchor points and you cannot go too wild and too far from the subject. So it's been um, way more um, an approach of a book that we see as one object and then work our way into the book uh, instead of uh, the first volumes we wrote from um, the, the, the center out of the book and the last thing that we actually thought about was what will the cover be and now we started there ah. uh, more in a sense like a, a, a hardcover book has a beginning and an end because the front cover is the beginning and the end and how can we move from a more linear perspective to a more organic uh, experience of time, so that's why we're busy with in uh, in this volume five. And I imagine in the context of emergence as well, you're dealing with time <clears throat> at a scale that human brains find quite difficult to grasp. We're not talking about a couple of years here. The, I imagine that the sort of story you're telling are probably looking over a, a great sweep of time. Hmm. Well, I mean the. The, the volume is really exploring maybe four themes, you know, and, and one is looking at the impact of time as a, a mechanization of control, colonization, um, how it's impacted every aspect of our lives, you know, taking something as what many people think as mundane time as a lens to explore how everything has shifted in our relationship to the living world um, and all the, the world we create in relationship to that. So that was one in the, because the process is also around these themes and that informs the, the design very much as well. Mm-hmm. And also looking at how we've sped up time. You know, what used to take a thousand years happens in 10. That's crazy when you think about it, that we shifted the nature of the geological pace that time moves. But also looking, you know, other themes that are, let's say more about the turning that we can participate into a more positive relationship with the living world and how if we slow down our time and look at the other forms of time that exist around us, even just the way we walk, the way we move, 
but also forward thinking, looking at cathedral time, you know, this idea that you would think about the future, many generations, and ancestral time, cosmic time, mystical time. So we kind of run the gamut, but that forms the, the basis of everything that it unfolds in print from the paper choices to the way that you know you choose and place an image and ideally for us this is really exciting this next issue because you know how can this object be an experience of time that you're creating so you pick it up and maybe you don't even read anything you just flip through it but you feel like you've gone on a journey through time or something mm -hmm. has touched you and there are no page numbers <laughs> we can let go of a little secret. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we're on a journey through time here as well, and I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm conscious that we're coming to the end of our time. So, are there any questions out here in the audience? Anyone want to ask? Right, yeah, very, uh, very short, brief question. But just uh, about two hours ago, I was privileged to hear you interview on the forest. Reading the forest. Yeah, with with Urson and Urson, yes. Yeah, yeah, and who I've never met before, and I have to say that was one of the exceptional, most exceptional interview I think I've heard in a very, very long time because of what it embraced and what came out through it. So in in terms of you say, oh, we work with what we got and we produce this, we produce that. Was that recorded and would it be would it be appearing in some context? Because I think it was remarkable. Well, Erson well, is a remarkable guy. I'm going to embarrass him. He's in the back of the room. He's shrinking down, hiding. <laughs> but the creator of this, this incredible installation, this experience, that, that is uh, premiering here, Breathing with the Forest. Um, yes, it was recorded, and it will be released on the podcast. Fantastic. Uh, at some point, we, we actually are trying to embark, and this will be an exploration of... Uh, of, of, of all of us, including Erson back there, adapting this incredibly large-scale installation into an online experience so more people can be taken on this journey. So that'll be an interesting exploration, but we hope to release the, the recording maybe in conjunction with that when it comes out. Any other questions? Uh, thank you. I just want to express a deep gratitude for extraordinary work and courage to go kind of against the mainstream and our create so many spaces to start awakening different kinds of people. And I am really curious, what have you observed on your journey uh, so far, working in so many different spaces, you know, different experiences? What are you observing if you are a sensor, kind of a living sensor of the humanity? What have you observed in interactions, you know, in podcasts, in visual, in interactive, in dialogue. What do you see is happening? Where do you see communities are being deeply touched? And where do you see these communities are opening up for more kind of a collective awakening? Thank you. So a small question. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we'll all answer it. I, you know, I would say that people are really hungry for stories that, that go beyond the, the surface. And you know maybe that's just a you know general truth, but I think in relationship to the ecological issues, I think people are a little tired of surface level news that talks about how the world is just dying and falling apart. I think people want to go deeper into understanding the root causes of how we got here, but also understanding ways we can shift on a deep level and shift our our whole way of being and our whole way of life. So I think there's a hunger for that. So when you create spaces, whether that's breathing with the forest upstairs or a podcast or a print magazine, 
that, that invites people to, to, to reflect and deeply around all of this, I, I think they, they feel nourished. And I think that's part of what we need to do as artists and creatives is, you know, is recognize that there's a deep nourishment that can be offered when you create spaces and you invite people into them. So I think there's a hunger and there's an opportunity for nourishment. So it's all about feeding people, I guess, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, well, I think more speaking out of us as creators, um, it, it's hard, right, to see what it does with your audience. As Emmanuel said, we don't see what happens at the other side uh, of the digital audience that reads or watches our films. So that's why moments like these are so wonderful to, and I like to speak with the audience often to hear what it does to them to watch these stories. So I think this is a wonderful opportunity to actually hear back from people uh, what it does to them, uh, rather than uh, we uh, overseeing uh, everything. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes, one here. Hi, I just wanted to appreciate the, um, the magazines that I was flipping through downstairs and to amplify what you were saying about materials and the textures tracing papers and the glossiness and how it contrasts and then compare that to the setting here in terms of materiality it's very gritty and grimy so you've got this kind of contrast so my question is around texture but it's also about framing the name because it felt more like a book to me and I was something interesting you were saying about the durability the legacy the preservation could be just relevant for 50 years so to me a magazine is quite supposed to like throw it in the bin and that leads to my next question which was about decisions around carbon footprint, you know, was it recyclable paper, was it printer ink friendly, but then if it's a book maybe you want it to be more durable, so there's that and then also with this, making the exhibition where there are decisions you had to make ethically in terms of, given that you know, the theme of the exhibition is about connectedness to nature and the durability and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, maybe I'll speak to part of it maybe more, it's to the other, um, in the terms of this exhibition, we were very, very conscious about the choices that we made in the materials we use um, and not being wasteful about anything that is created here. So everything that it was is, a, is alive, there's actually some things that are alive in this exhibition, like the installation for Sanctuaries of Silence, which was grown for this over three months. The, the living forest floor in, in the Nightingale installation will be composted. Um, all the materials that are in Breathing with the Forest um, will be reused again. It's equipment that it's digital and you know material and equipment that presents that. Um, all the papers that are here will be stored and reused. The photography will be re all the all the things that are happening. You know that were the materials who are being reused or, or um, the goal is actually to be waste free from this exhibition. Uh, so there was there's a lot of thought with that and we and we are conscious of that. And the in the magazine itself, maybe Morris can speak a little bit more. Uh, we we do a mixture of things. We, there, the paper choices are made primarily. I'll be honest. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Based on how they feel, mm. and and we it's a conscious choice. And we also are thinking about long term. You know how this this magazine um, survives. We don't want a magazine to feel disposable. It is more of a book, but we you know it doesn't have a, some the same ring emergence book. You know. <laughs> It's like an emergence magazine. So we're, we're trying to reinvent the magazine and how we think about it and being something that is not disposable. But I'll, I'll let you speak to the materials. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you kind of answered the question already. It's uh, with print. There's a lot of um, uh, the papers, and we uh, we can decide in how we place the the larger papers on the on the larger spreads or on the larger sheets to uh, to create less waste. Um, so we we try carefully to work with this and to create less waste possible. Uh, we also never will use any plastic materials. We we wanted to use uh, recycled paper in uh, back in the days, but um, it's also the durability is less, so it will not uh, be durable over the years. Um, yeah, we 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 are looking at this carefully always, but we also try to make something that lasts and will outlive our lives probably, so there won't be waste in the way uh, as well. Hmm. I think also just to say about kind of you make an interesting point about the distinction between a book and a magazine, and this is it's very common now with like you know with the type of magazines that we work with, yeah they look more like books a lot of the time. They might be hardback books, but then I guess one of the characteristics is that a book doesn't tend to have several issues. The you know kind of whereas with emergence the you know they're they're already working on the next issue and then hopefully another one to come and another one. I think there's something about that, about it being a kind of periodical, that kind of pushes it, in my mind at least, slightly further to a, a magazine. But ultimately, who cares? <laughs> the, you know, it's about the ideas and the expression of those ideas rather than if it's a book or a magazine or anything else. Any other questions at the back of the audience? I just killed it off by talking about <laughs> books and magazines. No, no, there's, there's, <laughs> I saw it right there. Did you do someone down there? Uh, thank you. Um, I guess my question was mostly about how you select the stories, or is this like a submission, for, did you get like submissions, or is it more like a commission based, and how the relationship with the authors and artists inform the development of the magazine and the graphic design? So for anybody who didn't hear that question, it was how we choose stories, uh, yeah. um, uh, whether they're commissioned or su submitted. So we do accept submissions, and we we occasionally publish submissions. Um, it's rare, I'll be honest. We get a lot of submissions. We're very interested in commissioning work um, specific to themes, although we put out calls around specific themes, and sometimes we do get stuff that really aligns. But usually we, we commission you know everything from the ground up, and we reach out to to the writers and the artists and we have conversations and we have an idea and they come back with an interpretation of that idea and then we talk further and then you know the work begins and then it's a back and forth you know we we work 18 to 24 months out so there's a long-term process you know of researching you know story ideas finding the right authors sometimes we, you know we work with some of the same authors over and over again which is something I'm really excited about because it's like a lot of the work, it, it, it's an evolution of the previous work, deepening or expanding it. And that's also part of what we're trying to do is create spaces for artists and writers to delve deeply into these topics. Maybe they don't have another outlet in the same way that does that. Or just, they do, but this is a space to expand even more. So, um, but it's very collaborative. And so I would say like, it's never really just, we have a, a fixed idea and then we find a writer or a photographer to execute it. We have a beginning and then that starts a process. And then that process unfolds and we talk and back and forth. And usually it's very different than where we started out. 
And that to me is the most exciting thing. And, and one of the things we're also trying to do at Emergence is very conscious at the beginning. We're trying to create a space. I kind of view it, I think when we first had a conversation, you asked me a question about like, how would you summarize Emergence? And I view it as like a salon with very different forms. You know, print, online, physical, a salon where ideas can come together to be explored creatively in companionship with humans and more than humans. You know, and creating a space of, uh, also to innovate, to try new things, to push the envelope, to encourage a writer to go in a direction, to give a space for a photographer to explore a theme, all of those things, and to support artists who are working in this space. And because the truth is that it can be hard to make a living as an artist when you're focusing on certain areas of work. And, and we want to try to support that community because I feel that community is, plays a vital role. Absolutely. And when you can tell as well that it's not just supports, I think it must be kind of steward as well because you end up with exceptionally high quality stuff. I mean, the, you know, you're talking about very long pieces of writing. And if there's something a bit off in that writing, then you're going to lose me halfway through. But that doesn't tend to happen. The, you know, this is like, it's, the, the graphics look great, the text reads brilliantly. You're doing a really fantastic job with it. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just add something to what you've said? about the submissions versus commissions, right? And it really hit me quite strongly, that, and I can understand that perhaps you don't take many submissions and you're doing commissions, but what about the new artists, you know, the new writers? We and seek them out. Do well. We do, we do, we do, we do. And in fact, we have a film playing here tomorrow um, that was part of a program where we invited young filmmakers from all over the world to submit ideas on the theme of shifting landscapes. And we chose three of those films and we worked with the artists for 18 months on the development of that film, those films, and it's screening here tomorrow. It's actually an Academy Award contender now. It's exciting. Um, Puffling, it's screening here tomorrow. Um, but no, we, we seek out new voices too. So we're, we're very particular about that. And I'm not saying we don't read those submissions, we do. But you know, but we what we're interested in is not just getting a random assortment of stories, but you know, we work with themes, shifting landscapes. What are the sub themes of shifting landscapes? What are the sub themes of time? You know, That's and, the, that was the one that hit me when you said time. I thought, wow, what a topic! I wonder how many people renew that the next edition of Emergence magazine. Was time. Well, it's on the website in the submission section. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> All right, I think we have just time for one more. We have it stand here. Yeah, this is so beautiful. I, I hate to bring up something really practical. Um, you've answered one question, I guess, because you used the word commission, which means you must be paying your artists. But I'm also curious about how, how this is all funded. Um, are, is the magazine self-sufficient? Do people pay for the podcasts? How, how is this all? We, we do pay our artists and we try to pay them fairly on par with you know similar publications of, you know, um, and so we are in a unique position that, um, as a publication because we are a non-profit entity um, we are an initiative a grant an initiative of a foundation in, 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 the, in the US so we get funding directly from them that allows us to do our work our print edition breaks even everything else does not <laughs> and you know but that gives us a position where we could offer this exhibition for free um, and our online offerings are free and they're ad free there you'll never find an advertisement near our work 
We're not interested in that. We're interested in trying to just offer this. That's a big part of the, the foundation's mission is to support storytelling as a vehicle for bringing us into deeper connection with the living world. And so we're one of the avenues that they support that does that. Um, so it gives, us, it gives us a unique position to work with certain artists, to give space, to try different things and not have to cater to a subscriber base. So we have subscribers, but it's a free subscription. And, um, but the print edition we do charge for, and, and, uh, and it breaks even now. Now it does. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a rarity for me to sit next to someone saying that the print magazine is the thing that breaks even. <laughs> we need to get you to talk to some other print people, I think, and see that that's a rare thing. Um, thank you all so much for uh, being here today. If you haven't had a chance to go around the whole rest of the exhibition and all of the other experiences in here, um, I hope you will be able to do that. Um, I'm going to be here for a little bit, and I think these guys might be around for a little bit too, so if there was something you wanted to ask, you didn't quite manage it, please do come up and say hello. Um, and thanks ever so much for this. It's just, like, so interesting to hear how it all happens. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks again to Emmanuel, Bram and Moritz. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that next issue themed around time. I have to admit that I haven't actually finished reading the Shifting Landscapes issue yet. There's just so much in there and it is totally absorbing. So I find it like the perfect magazine to just keep on coming back over weeks or even months of reading. I am recording this on Friday the 15th of December, which means we're now very close to Christmas. And of course, I have to use this bit to say that Stack makes a great Christmas present. If you're stuck for something to buy this year, go to stackmagazines.com forward slash Christmas and sign up for a subscription. And we'll deliver a different independent magazine on your behalf every month. With Stack, you never know what you're going to get next, but you do know it will be a lovely, intelligent, independent magazine you probably wouldn't otherwise have picked up. So it is ideal for providing surprises and inspiration and that perspective from outside the mainstream. All our Christmas gift subscriptions come with a free Christmas welcome card that you can download straight away and either print or forward to your recipient. And then the first magazine will be sent out with our January delivery in the first week or so of the new year. I've got one more independent magazine conversation that I'd like to share before the end of this year, but uh, I'm also at that point, and I'm sure lots of people will find this familiar, where <laughs> there are quite a lot of things that need to happen uh, in the next few days before the Christmas break. So I'm going to see if I can get that edited and ready before I finish up next week. Otherwise, it will come out at the start of next year. But either way, thank you very much for listening to this one. I hope you have a lovely end to 2023, and I'll be back with that next episode very soon.